0: Welcome to the Adapters Advantage, the podcast that shares insider stories about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Get ready for an inspiring conversation about adapting to change from Alego, the all-in-one sales enablement platform built for success in a hybrid world. Let's dive right in. Hi, I'm Mark Magnaca. I wanna welcome you back to the next episode of the Adapters Advantage podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Todd Hartley. Todd is called the rock star of remote selling, video marketing, and sales optimization. So yeah, you understand why I wanted to have him on the podcast. Todd's one of Tony Robbins' Business Mastery faculty speakers, and that means that he's speaking to people that are part of Tony Robbins' organization. Tony Robbins has about 74 businesses, and he's helping them with respect to how to sell remotely and deliver high octane keynote presentations all over the world, mostly virtual. Todd's strategies have earned him sales and marketing optimization agency, his agency called WireBuzz, a spot on the Inc. 5000 list as one of the fastest growing privately held businesses in America. He's known for being years ahead of his industry. Billion dollar companies hire him to develop their sales and marketing strategies. And his clients include people like Justin Timberlake, MD Anderson, and Home Depot. And with that, Todd, welcome to the podcast.
1: Mark, I'm so excited to be here. It's like the coolest thing to be able to talk with you. We nerd out on topics like this and in our conversations. It's, well, people are in for a treat. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Yeah, it really is. I mean, And I I have nerded out with quite a few of
0: my guests, but um, this is almost at a different level because of some of our shared background that we're going to get into in a minute. But let's start right off first, because I've got WireBuzz in, in the frame behind you. Um, and when people meet you, I know you do multiple different things. And when they ask you that question, Todd, so what do you do? How do you answer that question?
1: Yeah, it's good. I It's one I have to unpack. So I own a digital marketing agency, have for 12 years. And uh, we specialize in what we call ROI-focused video marketing and sales Initiatives for companies, and we help them uh, sell to their ideal customer and convince and convert them at faster rates. It's part of our like nerd, our nerd dumb is helping people uh, learn faster so they buy faster and a company can grow. And we use video in that. And I have another business that is all around my speaking business where I come in and train businesses or individuals, maybe their sales teams. And I also do boot camps. I'm teaching people how to create videos on their own with their cell phone that they can use in their business that also accelerate revenue.
0: Well, Todd, we're going to get into a little bit of of each of those because there's so much there. Um, one of your one of the things that I love uh, that you've got as a saying is "use what you got," right? And so um, so many people when they first get into this, they're concerned, and it becomes a mental block for them that. I can't do video if I don't have Hollywood quality camera and I don't have the right lights and microphones and all kinds of stuff. Help me understand for the video piece. Where did you develop the belief about use what you got and what does that mean uh, for our listeners?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. So, you know, I own a digital agency today. We're up in Northern California with our crew, uh, you know, a full on video production crew filming for clients. So typically, people have this notion in their head that they can't get started with video until they have a full-on production crew. But here's the reality. Nobody is expecting out of your personal videos, maybe out of your business videos, but not out of your personal videos, they're not expecting any Steven Spielberg production. They aren't. They're expecting to connect and learn from you. They're expecting you to add value into their lives so they can solve their problems and you can, um, and become, you can become their guru. And so where I look at it, like everybody's got these phones and Mark, where's your phone?
0: It's right here.
1: (laughs) Of course. Right. It's like everybody look at your phone, wherever you are, our phones are arm's length. Like Mark didn't have to get up. I didn't have (laughs) to get up. And so each of these phones have 4k cameras. The lenses are really great. They're designed for low light. And instead of creating a limiting belief that you have to have all this high-end professional gear, just use what you got because what you got is pretty damn good, especially in the time and era that we're living in.
0: You know, Todd, one of the interesting uh, points that people need to just uh, kind of marinate in for a moment based on what you've said is I remember about 15 years ago being at a television station in Boston. So like, you know, a world-class NBC station and the cameras and the cameraman and all that and I have spoken with one of the people who was a cameraman at that channel and he has told me that without question his iPhone is equivalent to <laughs> broadcast quality cameras from from 15 years ago and so we we take for granted that it's it's evolved so much that uh to have 4k you know when you were saying no one's expecting Spielberg You know, frankly, Spielberg didn't have 4K on a lot of uh, movies that he made. So I think that uh, one of the things I took away in in watching some of your videos was just the reminder about simple things. You don't necessarily need a better camera, but you want to make sure you have decent quality audio so that people can
1: hear what you're saying. That may be even more important than just the resolution of the picture. That's right. Lighting's key. Lighting should always be in front of you, not behind you. A simple rule of thumb is... If you've got like if you live in South Beach or in my hometown of Manhattan Beach, you don't show the ocean and the sun setting in the background because these cameras are far too sensitive to try to compete with God's light. So instead, just put the lights on your face, light your face up, put distance behind you like there are all these rules that once people start to learn the fundamentals, their videos can go through the roof like I've got right here, a microphone right below me, you've got one too. And yes. when you improve the audio quality, everything gets better. You know, right. think about going to a concert. You can go see, go to a concert, see the greatest band of all time and be right up there in front of Led Zeppelin. And uh, if the audio isn't good, even though your eyes are great and you can see right. them, if the audio isn't good, the whole thing sucks. It's so true. And I think that
0: that's absolutely true, even in YouTube, right? Like. Uh, it doesn't almost matter. Almost all of the video is sort of decent, but even when it's grainy and it's not good, if the audio is okay, we can hang in there with it. But if the audio is off, you know, forget it. So um, those are the kinds of things we're going to talk about that are in your course. But just going back to WireBuzz for a minute, I know that um, you had kind of an interesting uh, journey from from graduating from college to starting WireBuzz. So just can you take us through a little bit of What informed your journey from graduating from college and and getting into
1: digital marketing? Well, I had a dream. I wanted to be a talk show host, and I didn't just want to be a talk show host on a crappy station. I wanted to be on the best station, and not on the weekends, but Monday through Friday during drive time, because that's what my dream was. But I grew up struggling with attention and learning disabilities. I could barely read. Uh, When I graduated from college, I did not pass my college exit essay writing exam and I needed to develop myself because if I wanted to get on to a top station I needed to be able to have somebody walk into the room hand me a piece of paper and be able to read breaking news fluidly like a friggin' superstar I needed to be able to formulate my ideas and write them before shows so I just got myself into what Tony Robbins would call can I constant and never-ending improvement each and every day. I'd read the newspaper out loud in my bachelor pad like I was on the radio. And I would just start writing and practicing and polishing and perfecting. And before I knew it, I strengthened my weaknesses and developed my strengths. And my I got picked up. I was on the worst station in America. We had no ratings for a reason. We had no audience, <laughs> but the um, program director at the number one station happened to be going through the channels and heard me doing my show, invited me to come in for a, uh, a an audio check. And I did a, a, a practice show and she hired me on the spot, boom, from worst to first. And I started a news site And this is like, by the way, I'm kind of old school. So everybody braced themselves. This is like 1999, 2000. I started a news site. And before I knew it was trailblazing in search engine optimization and content marketing. And my site, um, that was just me working there, was generating 36 million visitors a year on zero ad dollars. And iHeartRadio found out about what I was doing. I got hired to go out to run digital for seven of their largest nationally syndicated talk shows in Hollywood and off I went off the radio and into digital marketing. And then at iHeart in the database, part of my job was to nerd out on what our audience was enjoying and to bring that to the head of the network each week. And my meeting was always the same. It was, yes, they love the audio here at iHeart, but whenever we post a video, video gets 10 times the amount of engagement. And this was two thousand three, where people would have to sit and wait for videos to download, and it would just buffer. So I just told myself that when video, when bandwidth becomes available, video is going to be a beast in the business world, and I wanted to be there when it happened. And so, when bandwidth opened up in two thousand ten, I opened up an agency, and uh, and and the rest has been history. We've won a oh a dozen major awards and five tele awards and. Every client in 12 years is still with us, with exception to one. And candidly, we deserve to lose that project. And it allowed us to up our game and our customer service in the process. And there's amazing things you can learn from stubbing your toe, as I'm sure you know.
0: Oh, indeed, I, I certainly do. That is a that's a fascinating example of uh, on, on multiple different levels. And you know, when you were saying that, Todd, what I was realizing is that. Um, Up to this point in time that you described, roughly 2003, if I'm trying to think about in the radio world, there really was very little feedback for any radio station advertiser, other than either the phone rang or the phone didn't ring. But other than that, to be able to go to a programming director and say, people like this and they don't like that, the internet was the only thing that kind of had those
1: analytics versus just the broadcast airwaves. Is that correct? Without a doubt. In fact, analytics was just being born. And people didn't even trust analytics at that time. But if you looked at the radio numbers, people, please listen to this. The radio metrics, the um, Arbitron numbers, which is like Nielsen for radio, had a margin of error of 69%. And my incredibly talented talk show host friends that were more talented than me by far were getting fired over metrics based on a 69% margin of error. I just didn't feel like a place I wanted to invest my career. And it was interesting because when you would bring the numbers to the head of the network and you would show him, well, you know, video is, is really the unsung hero here. They would back me down each time and say, yeah, that's great, but our audience really loves audio. And I'm I was so full of like early energy but I was like no no you know you're missing the data right. They don't really like audio like they like right. video And right. so I was kind of like I noticed I I kind of kept backing myself up into a corner as I was talking them into video and really uh, talking myself into eventually opening up my own agency
0: Todd, you and I definitely have this in common it's, it's not a surprise and it's interesting I'm just sort of playing it out the story you just described in my mind of like the 50 year old, executive whose entire life has been radio. Everything they grew up in radio, radio is their world. And you're basically saying, yeah, the thing is people don't really like the radio, they like video. And that's very hard to hear. And when you look about at, at how much the television world has struggled and the movie world, it's the same dynamic that happened in General Motors, where the General Motors executives all lived in Detroit. And they, they couldn't really understand, what do you mean people are buying
1: Japanese cars? Like, we can't yeah. compute. Everyone we know is driving one of ours. Right. So, well, so, look, I, my in-laws live in Michigan, and I think what you just said is exactly what I see every time I go back home, is all-American cars. And I grew up in Southern California on the beach, and all I saw were fancy sports cars. Sure. So, you know, it's just a different world. And I love it. I love the, the whole experience. As we're going through our careers, we're going to be able to have different metrics and different ways to look into what our audience needs and desires are. Like today, you can easily determine who's ready to buy now by how long they're watching your videos. Right. And you can get notified, like my whole team at our office and my clients that get notified on their cell phone when a prospect goes over 80% on one of their videos. Like when it comes through here, I'm like, yo, that dude's a buyer because somebody who's going to give you the attention span of 80% on a video. Yes. Like there's somebody who's interested in your product and those people need to be prioritized over people that aren't looking at your videos or maybe looking at 5%. And when you start to prioritize people by attention span, which in this remote first world, yo, that's digital body language for salespeople. Like we used to rely on on what somebody's arms were like and if they were folded over and if they were giving you buying signals, the most important buying signal, and this comes from somebody who struggled their entire life with attention disorders, the most important buying signal is attention span. Track them, understand who's looking at your videos, follow up, serve them, close those deals and accelerate revenue. It is just that easy.
0: You know, the the timing of this is so perfect, Todd. I was just on the phone with one of our clients and they're rolling out something that we call digital sales rooms or digital solutions rooms, they're also called. And basically this is a a bespoke microsite that's super easy to create with two clicks. And um, what it allows you to do is curate content for a given specific uh, person who's a buyer and then have all the analytics underneath based on what did they click on. Right. So first I've customized it for you. And then second, I know what you're looking at. And then I know when you share it, cause there's you know, usually other people in a buying committee. So I start to get those, those same kind of analytics you just described with respect to the, the info you brought into the radio exec. And one guy just said on the call, he sent out 700 of these short videos. This was a video that he didn't mention the name of the company. He just introduced himself, his company and this other big company who started a new partnership He couldn't get to 700 people. So he did a short video. Most of his peers did an email only of the 700, 211 people clicked the email. So that was the first metric. And then like you, he was able to look at how many people watched 25%, 50% or hundred percent. And he, and the number he used was just 50%. He said, look guys, all I'm doing is starting with the people. And it's about, 30% 30% who watched yeah. 50% or more of the video. Yeah. So he said, myself and my partner, we're just focusing on now a manageable 210 people who've made it clear that something in our message was compelling. And that's the essence of what I'm hearing from you. We, we sometimes complicate it.
1: If someone is favoring you with their attention, what else do you need? Right. I totally agree. Think about dating. If the person you're on a date with is favoring you with their attention, what else do you need, right? Yeah. And it's the same signals. So I just had a, a client that was like, yeah, Todd, I hear you babbling on about if this works. Can we just do a case study? And they and this goes back a year ago. They had me do a case study during the worst six weeks in the history of business between Thanksgiving and Christmas during the beginning of the pandemic. And so I, um, I took four of their employees. I trained them. This is. They wouldn't open the door to their international sales team until this case study worked. We got their through the training. I got their um, open rate, their email open rate from 20%, which, by the way, is industry average across the board, mm-hmm. and got it to almost 70%, 69.5%. And from there, they added $2 million in new deals. And, um, and, and so then they rolled it out to the whole entire company. By the end, after I did the training for them, they had a, you're going to love this, in 90 days, they came back to me and said, we had a major breakout quarter, $119 million in new sales. We jumped 31%. Really, you guys, all they did is they took the principles that humans do when they shop and when they date, they made it visual. They made their business visual. They made the salespeople visual, and then they went on the back end to look to see who was most interested and they prioritize them for follow-up when my company did this in 2015 before we added video we had a nine-week sales process we started educating people in video we collapsed the sales process removed 66 percent of wasted time why was it wasted because if you're asking people to read and burn mental calories to learn about your business and they don't really even care about your business they care about their problem Yes. But if you're asking people to go through all that hard work and burn those mental calories, they're going to keep delaying you. But if you make the sales process, the knowledge transfer, an transfer, effortless on-demand buying experience, yo, people are going to forget that they're buying and they're going to think they're watching Netflix. And before you know it, they know everything about your business, but they also have the right level of energy, excitement, and certainty. And they buy at freakish rates, which is a game changer for business.
0: You know, Todd, there's so much there. Um, <clears throat> one thing I want to remind our listeners and viewers about is the fact that um, a unique dynamic exists right now between Gen X all the way down to Gen Z and, and Gen Y. And what I mean by that is for those of us who are in Gen X, we actually grew up as the first generation ever to learn from television with sessions. Yes, eight. sir. Right, So Sesame Street, if you think about informed, our thinking as a culture and as an entire generation, which was you could be learning something on video and having fun. And, and uh, if you sort of project that forward in the context of what you've just described, there was never a way. If you were a salesperson in a store like Macy's, you couldn't stand in front of and stare at somebody as they were you know, stopped in front of the glass window because it would be weird, right? You just couldn't do that. But now to actually know, hey, this person has, has spent five minutes trying to learn about this thing. Yes. And the big piece that you just gave me that I realize is a blind spot is I happen to be one of those rare birds who loves to read. I read every day and I read the paper, a printed Wall Street Journal, because I love it. Like I, but I realize nerd. I'm Nerd. Total exception and nerd to the rule, right? <laughs> Most people don't want to do that. And that's, that's despite being in the, in a, you know, sales enablement platform based on video. It's not that I don't like video as well. It's just, I happen to like reading, but what you just reminded me of is the fact that the vast majority of people you're right. They're not going to read a 2000 word article about your product. They want it bite size and
1: easy to consume. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, the way I look at it is you have to have words. I'm not, saying we should ban words burn books and take them all off websites words are important and they're valuable and you have to use them situationally through the the web page but you've got to use them sparingly because you ever gone through a book and mark maybe you're not the perfect one because you love words but may but have for anybody out there have you ever like breezed through a book and the chapters were shorter Yes, And then you started feeling like you were generating momentum through the book and you were like, wow, like I'm crushing this book. Okay, so that's the way a customer journey page should feel. Limited words, use brevity, teach at the highest level because all you have to do is get them as they go down that page to see the words and also to watch the supportive videos. I believe that on a customer journey page, at the top of the page, you should have an overview video. 60 seconds, 90 seconds, transfer the most amount of information in the least amount of time into their head. The text on the page supports the, um, what's in the video. They're married together, written right. by the same people. So it's like a custom suit. When somebody gets to the point where in their head, as they're going down the page, they say to themselves, wow, this might be a solution for me. That's right on the page where a customer testimonial story should live. And that story should be featuring a prospect, I'm sorry, a client from the same exact persona group that you created the journey page for.
0: Yes. Because
1: when somebody's evaluating it, they're like, well, this is great, Mark, but does your business do anything like this for somebody like me? Right. Like That's the most common objection salespeople get. The way you diffuse that is you create a journey page that's hyper relevant to that type of prospect and you showcase people like them that have had wild success using your product, your service, or your solution. Now their gloves are down. Their head is nodding. They're like, what? If they even know that person, it's even better. What Jerry uses them? Jerry's the best. They might be Jerry's secret. And then show them how to get started. What are next steps looking like? Like if you want to implement this into your existing workflow or your website, do this. Those are like the three essential videos you need on a journey page. And if somebody only watches the first video, make sure you notify them in a follow-up, in an email or retargeting whatever you're allowed to do in your geographical location and remind them about the other videos that are available for that same persona group. And before you know it, you just created a Netflix-style, binge-worthy buying experience that makes it easy for people to learn how you solve their problems.
0: I love it, man. That's, that's really, that, that's very, there's a lot of content packed into that paragraph. Um, while people are just absorbing that for a moment, I want to ask you about your experience with personal branding. Because I know, yep. having watched a lot of your your videos and and the work that you've done. Um, you know, people are out on LinkedIn. Some people are of the mindset, well, I don't use LinkedIn. And they don't remember or they don't realize that that doesn't really matter because when you don't have a big web presence and someone Googles your name, then LinkedIn is often the, the first thing that pops up. And right. so what's the impact in your mind of uh, maybe having a banner, making sure you have a, a, a good picture, maybe even the recording now with your voice or a video, how important are these things in your mind in the modern era for personal
1: branding? I think you can't understate it. I think it's ginormous. Um, give you an idea. There is, I've been preaching the good video gospel for quite some time. I went to, the, I went to Tony Robbins' first post-pandemic event in November. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unleash the power within and was speaking at the event. Incredibly honored to do that. Like one of the coolest moments. And I couldn't walk 10 feet without people coming up and saying that they've been following me on LinkedIn or on Facebook and talking about the videos and the stories, the teachings that I provide on a daily basis there to me, it was like, Oh, wow. I'm really glad that I invested and continue to invest there because there's a whole big blue planet of people that know who I am, that I will probably never get to meet in person. But the next time they have a need that I can help service, I'm on the top of their mind because every day, remember repetition is so important. I'm there every day reminding them about how to do certain things. And, uh, and that's an invaluable experience. And by me teaching you, in this conversation or in boot camps, how to create your own videos and using what you got. Anybody can do it, which means nobody has an excuse for not investing the time. It's not a significant amount of time. The impact is significant. It's so
0: true, Todd. And you know, when I think about the power of a first impression, um, I, I was recently referred to, uh, a, a two different CPAs and, um, literally one of them, it was from a friend, the same exact model of persona you've described. And so I trust this friend, the friend said, here's two people you should talk to. The first one, when I Googled them, it came up with an address and a phone number. And on the Google piece, there was nothing for website. And I thought that can't be the case. Yeah. And I called and I asked the, the person who answered the phone. I just want to get your web address because I'd like to do a little bit of research before I asked to speak with the CPA. She said, we don't have a web address, no website. And I, and I thought- there's no way I could work with you. Like I, if that's, if that's where
1: you are in 2022, it's, I know it's not going to be a good fit because they're not ready for prime time. Exactly. There's some stats that came out from LinkedIn's marketing blog and I'm going to botch the stats, but I'm going to get pretty damn close. It was like 70% of B2B decision makers are, will are more likely to purchase from a thought leader Mm -hmm than um, somebody that they don't know. And that's an, an, a distinct advantage that people should be using for their business. And I actually think that these, that um, your big, uh 99% of LinkedIn users are looky-loos. They're eyeballs, 1% are content creators. What does this mean? If you seize the moment now and create content in the easiest content form to ingest, which by the way, if you haven't figured it out is video Right. and you put it out on LinkedIn, you're competing with 1% of the audience for 99% of the eyeballs. Are you waiting for a better advantage than that?
0: (laughs) Okay. So I want to pivot to something you just brought up because this is a really, really big one. And you know, there's, there's people like Brene Brown who have really helped bring this to the fore. And for so many men in particular, um, you know, many of us, at least of my era, and you and I are of the same generation, uh, there's this whole idea of keep your keep your armor up, don't let anyone yeah. in do not and under any circumstances let anyone see where the chink is in the armor. And the interesting thing of what you just said is when you think about where human beings bond, you think of fraternity brothers or sorority sisters, you think about um, soldiers in combat in the foxhole together. Ultimately, whether they go through basic training together or they're getting fired upon, there's this moment of vulnerability when people really connect. The deepest yeah. connections are always when there's a level of vulnerability. And yet, so many of us have been taught, um, and even Hollywood has, you know, don't let anyone see that. Uh, they they only can see the positive stuff. So, I'd love it if you would share um, something about your experience on this topic. But before we do, I do have to just ask. You mentioned Tony Robbins earlier. You mentioned Can I? You you referenced a um, a, a Tony Robbins concept that repetition is the mother of skill, which, you know, he's amplified. Um, Just briefly, where did you first get exposed to Tony? And then what's been the impact of Tony Robbins on your life?
1: You know, I was struggling with attention and learning disabilities growing up. And my grandfather believed in the power of the mind. And whenever we would get, I'm just getting chills just even bringing it up. Whenever we would get into the car in LA to sit in traffic, uh, Pop and I would bond over a kid's book that he was reading. He wasn't reading a children's book. He was reading a book that was literally written by somebody that just came out, and that's somebody he considered to be a kid. Because when I was 12, 25-year-old Anthony Robbins released Unlimited Power, and- in the back seat of my grandfather's car, probably on the 405 going nowhere. Uh, Pop and I went through that material so often that I just committed myself to strengthen my weaknesses and develop my strengths. And by the time I was 25, I was incredibly lucky to be able to awaken this giant that lives with inside of me. And um, what is the impact of my life that Tony Robbins has had is it's immeasurable. And uh, that's why, for me, when Tony asks me to come in and train his companies or his, uh, his clients, it, there's like no place I'd rather be. It's like I can't get there fast enough because I have a lifetime of giving back to do because I've been a greedy little Tony taker for so long. <laughs> but I've got all of his teachings inside of my brain. And that is that is more valuable than my college education. So let me
0: just thread this needle a little bit more here. Um, You know, you talked earlier about the power of vulnerability. You have this amazing opportunity present itself with Tony Robbins, who is kind of a childhood hero from the time with your grandfather in the car. And then you get, you get this opportunity uh, to speak in front of Tony's, uh, a number of his businesses. And right when this is getting ready to happen, uh, another crisis emerges. Can you tell
1: our listeners what happened and what did you do? I'd love to tell you guys this story. This is one of the defining stories in my life and my life wouldn't have unfolded if I cowered to this moment. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, March, 2020, Tony reached out and booked me to do seven, six or seven trainings for each of his companies. There was gonna be 1500 people on the Zoom call and I'm gonna teach them how to sell remotely using the power of video through their cell phone to convince and convert from the safety of their home. Yep. And um, so that was basically booked out my whole summer for, for uh, 2020. And then the next week after I booked all of this stuff, my dermatologist opened. I went into the dermatologist and the dermatologist said, oh, look, we do a biopsy here and here. And sure enough, you've got skin cancer on your nose in two different places. And it's going to require three surgeries for both spots about 13 weeks and we're gonna to have to reconstruct your nose and i wasn't having any of that because i've got power of the mind right uh-huh. so i went home and i told my wife yeah i got my wife's a breast cancer survivor and i said to her um, well i'm gonna do the tony thing and i'll just delay the uh the surgeries and my wife's like absolutely not why would you do that and then i quickly got embarrassed so i said Well, I'm going to then cancel Tony and I'll get the surgeries. And my wife said, let me get this straight, dude. Why are you canceling Tony? And I said, because I don't want to be on camera in front of 1500 people with um, gauze all over my face looking like a friggin' clown. Mm -hmm. And she said, so you've waited for this moment your whole life. And now you're telling me that your need for vanity outweighs your willingness and desire to serve people. Did I get that right? And I said, and she's yeah, good. she's, she's <laughs> too good. If you can be too good, that's what it is. So I said, yeah. She goes, dude, you need to readjust your priorities." So let me tell you what I did. I did each of my Tony trainings with my face covered with gauze. And people in the crowd, like I was, I didn't even want to tell them that I was doing this until I got on camera. That's how scared I was going to, that they were going to reschedule it. But as I started introducing myself with all of this puffy gauze, people started standing up cheering like they were excited. Why? Because I was willing to be vulnerable in my desire to serve. Now, let me bring this all back to each of you. The power of video is undeniable. We have laid it out in this conversation. What isn't undeniable is your need for vanity. So people don't put themselves on camera often, because they're scared about how they look. But if you get out of your own way and you just start serving people, the universe will open for you. And I would have never gotten onto his stage if I didn't put myself out there in my most vulnerable moment, doing something I absolutely didn't wanna do. But when I did it, it like a magnet, it brought that audience closer into my heart and we became family.
0: So, so cool. And what, what the processional effect of that, Todd, may well have been for many people who, who on any given day have a big pimple on their nose or whatever is right. going on, right? Instead of being like, you know what? I can't do it. I'm going to be camera off. Like to just have the grace and to accept like, this is where I am right now. Um, you good? And, and being able to sort of move through it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing like in your doing that, what happens almost unconsciously is the audience
1: now, they want to root for you. Yes. They, want they totally to want for you. And you know what? In sales, in dating, in relationships, you want to root for your audience. The easiest way to get them to root for you is you serving and advocating for them. and you, And by being vulnerable, they'll identify with you. And before you know it, they'll be running along your side. And that's the, the, I, like, I didn't think about it. I didn't know that power until I did it. And yet it served me tremendously. So the big picture is for each and every one of you, get out of your own way, put your desire to serve people as the most important thing and everything else will fall into place.
0: Todd, you know, what's really remarkable, another unconscious connection here is that um, as you're saying it, I can't help but think that in my own experience with Tony Robbins, um, he's put himself out there a lot. He's revealed a lot of things about his own life and in his yeah. Netflix movie, like there's a lot that comes out, right? right. And and instead of hiding from it, um, he's talked about, it. he's talked about his car accident, and his problems with his body and the things that, you know, he, and and in a sense, that's what makes us human right and so to be able to connect with each other on the human level rather than think you know this person's in a different realm than i am no this person is a human being they have their problems i have my problems but when you when you can sort of flatten it like that it just helps you connect on a totally different level than than sort of the the star system that exists in hollywood yeah if you want to develop a relationship be relatable That's a great segue, by the way. I just have two more questions. Um, I could talk with you for another hour, but I want to be respectful of the time here. So um, when you talk about being relatable, what would you say is the best way for people hearing you now who want to learn more about being excellent at selling remotely? What do they need to do in order to raise their game, assuming that this medium that we're in right now is likely part of the future, regardless of what industry you're in, that it's not going back to 2019? So
1: first, let me take the second part of the question. It's, it's not going back. The reason is COVID gains. Like we've spent the last two years talking about all these things we've lost because of COVID and the heartbreak. And yes, it's real. And um, I probably gave COVID to my dad who uh, is recovering from lung cancer surgery and I thought I was gonna kill him. I get, I get the COVID sacrifices, but what about the COVID gains? Like my wife and I get to do a, a hike in the morning for four miles because I'm not driving into the office on most days. A lot of people get to pick their kids up when the kids come off the school bus and they weren't able to do that before. These are gains. Yes. So what happens to B2B decision makers They've got COVID gains and they aren't willing to negotiate on them. 70% of B2B decision makers are going to be working from home a majority of the time. What does that mean? Salespeople, you're not going to be able to walk into an office and press flesh, work your dimple, ding, and be able to develop a relationship (laughs) like you used to. The new game is working your mojo on video, getting in front of them while they're at home. And you being available on demand whenever they're ready, not when you happen to be available to make a call or a meeting with them. So how do you get ready to do that transition? First, there's two paths. One, you can learn it on your own, which is the slow path. The fast path is you can hire someone like me to train you how to use remote selling and the strategies that I've been giving to my billion-dollar companies and their teams, you could be doing that and get it right away and start learning instantly. So, I teach a boot camp. I'm opening up for the very first time my sales boot camp that I give to big companies, to individual salespeople. And um, it starts March 16th. And I'm going to give you a link to where you can get access to it. And it is Todd Hartley. Yeah, that's my name, toddhartley.com forward slash sales. Mm-hmm. And it's a virtual boot camp on Zoom. And I even not only teach every one of the trainings, because I absolutely despise getting into somebody's boot camp and them not even being there. And not only do I teach it, but everybody gets to submit in each week their own practice videos. And then I give them feedback on how to make those videos more human, more compelling, more relatable, and how to convert at faster rates. Because there's a lot of moments in the sales process. And I know you know this, when the deal is, um, you have the potential of losing the deal. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: it's easy for me to teach these red flag moments and how you use video situationally to answer the confusion and move the people to the sales process. And my clients are getting somewhere between a 41% higher close rates and 103% higher close rates, which means that I can take if you learn these strategies, you can take your wife to Lululemon and make it rain when you're supposed to be working because you're making a whole lot more money.
0: So cool. Todd, I think that this is um, a conversation we're definitely going to continue. I really appreciate you being here. Um, you've mentioned the website. You mentioned the course. Um, you're also on LinkedIn. So if people want to check you out, it's another place to go. Um, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And I definitely look forward to uh, connecting on a couple different levels after this podcast.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. You've been listening to the Adapter's Advantage, a podcast
0: from ALEGO. Stay connected by subscribing to the show at alego.com forward slash podcast, leaving us a rating and comment and sharing episodes you love. That helps us bring you more conversations about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember that one new idea can change your life.